years long and prosperous. I was going to Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Lilu Dallas Multipass. Shut up and take my money. By Grabthar's hammer. <laughs> what a saving. One does not simply walk into Mordor. X never, ever marks the spot. Until he's coming. You're a wizard, Harry. Stay a while and listen. My whole Kermit frog here. ties are cool. So say we all. This is a play on nerds. Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 126 of A Play on Nerds. I am Jarman, and I'm here with my co-host, Steve, the other guy. Yes. We're here to co-host the hell out of this the thing. Living hell out of it. And <laughs> this week, we're bringing back uh, The Rule of Three, our segment where we review the third movie in a franchise and see if it really went wrong or kept going in the right direction. And, and we're- boy, do we have a doozy. <laughs> oh, my God. Jaws 3, also known as Jaws 3D. Yeah. With heartthrob Dennis Quaid. <laughs> Probably like 27 or something in this movie, maybe younger. Uh, and Louis Gossett Jr. And Leah Thompson of... Uh, uh, dark what's no duck man what is it yeah howard, uh, the, duck. howard the duck and back to the future <laughs> yeah. this was her first film we're gonna get more into that later it's a real gem we're gonna we're gonna touch all over it but first why are we talking about a, a, a shark film in general what sparked that oh well there's a movie coming out so we always look to see like what's coming out and can we talk about anything people are talking about and 47 meters down two <laughs> is coming out <laughs> I didn't know there was a first one. (laughs) We decided to capitalize. I mean, because everyone's going to be seeing it. So here's the thing. 47 meters down. I Uh recommend it. It is a great shark film. Very well done. Low budget. Clean. Not crazy. Uh, It warrants a sequel. Was anyone I recognize in it? Uh, Yeah, the singer Mandy Moore. Really? Yeah, she was in it. She did great. How yeah, she was in it. How have I never heard of that movie? <laughs> I don't know. Check it out. Not on my radical recommend, but check out 47 Meters Down. It is a really good shark film. It really is. All right. I've, I've already seen initial reviews for this one saying it is a cheap ripoff of Jaws. I'm like, of course it is, but that's not the point. Everything's a cheap ripoff of Jaws. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> that's like going to a fantasy movie and going, everything is from Tolkien. Yeah, everything's from Tolkien. <laughs> Jaws 3D is a cheap ripoff of Jaws. If you tried to reinvent an entire fantasy world not based off something, you'd lose the audience immediately. <laughs> some connection yeah. to the best of the best. Anyway, so what have you been up to since it's been a while, guys? I'm sorry. I have been really busy. I don't know if Steve has, but I've just it hasn't been able to lock down a time to record a podcast in a while. Oh, no. German's a real bastard. I've been available. <laughs> uh <laughs> No, I got a kid, so I'm always busy. True. You know, like it just that's the life of a parent. <laughs> um, so in the time since we've been away last weekend uh, or the weekend before, uh, we went to the Renaissance Fair. Nice. I love those. Here in San Jose. Uh, we are never going to go again. Oh, no. What happened? Nothing bad. And now, mind you, maybe if we got luckier with the weather, weather but it was a warm day. It was going to be a high of 92, which isn't incredibly hot, but it's uh, hot. Yeah, it's hot. And the field that this thing is held in has no shade. Oh, there's nowhere to hide. So we, we got there. We paid our money, got in, spent 45 minutes just sweating while Joyce went to the pirate area and played on a bouncy castle shaped like a a ship. (laughs) We did one round and then we waited way too long for a funnel cake and then left because it was just so 
unbearably hot and there was no respite. There's no shade where they hold it. And if they hold it there again next year, it'll be the same problem. So I don't think we're going to go back. Was it a new one or has it been around a while? It's like the ninth annual. So not like a super long running, but established. They should have their shit together by now. Yeah. And it really is a good one. It's just the venue sucks. Well, I don't know if you ever got a chance to go to it when you lived here, but the Tampa Bay um, Renaissance Festival, otherwise known as the Bay Area Renaissance Festival or BARF, they actually call it okay. that. Uh, <laughs> it's one of the biggest in the nation, and they have a permanent like campground set up um, for it to go there every year. And it's huge and wonderful. Lots of shade, tons of available options. And then Orlando, where I live, did the first annual a couple of years back uh, to be set here in Orlando. It was by a lake. They didn't get a liquor license in time. So Ooh. not that you need to have liquor, but it's, just a, and it's showing you how bad that one was in general. There's very few gender vendors, uh, genders. Um, and there uh, are very few genders, but more, <laughs> more and more every day, more and more every day. We're welcoming with open arms. Um, but yeah, to have no beer or mead or anything at a Renaissance festival was pretty lame. Uh, I had mead for the first time. Not just drink wine. I mean, it's, it's real sweet. A lot of it. Oftentimes. It just, yeah, it tastes, it tasted like, a cheap Chardonnay that's too sweet. And they could be up to like, you know, 19% alcohol too. They're pretty yeah, strong sometimes. And then otherwise we have uh, Silicon Valley Comic Con coming up this coming weekend. Nice. We are going to be going Sunday uh, and we are putting together a family cosplay. What's it going to be this time or is it a surprise? Uh, we are going as Wreck-It Ralph, Vanellope Von Schweet, and Fix-It Felix Jr. from oh, the Wreck-It Ralph series. That's adorable. And I got overalls, and we did a shirt. And How about the hair? Hammer and gloves. I'm going to like spike it as best kind of I can, but mm-hmm. my hair is not long enough right now to pull off anything that actually looks like it, so it's going to be an homage. Doesn't he have like red hair or something? He's got like brownish hair. Even the costume's an homage like, when you're six three, finding maroon overalls is not a possibility. <laughs> so I found a good pair of dark brown ones, and that's what it's going to be. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an homage to this character, like I'm a, a scent of that character. No, I'm going to look like him. You're going to know who I am. Well, that's good. Uh, and then Joyce's is probably the most accurate. Hers is the one we put the most effort into. Because she's the most adorable of the three. And of she cares the most. <laughs> like when she heard she was going to be Vanellope, she, her, it just blew her little mind. <laughs> and, then, and then we're going to double dip and use this also as Halloween. Nice. Yeah. And you're making her a customer for life now. Yeah, that's right. Hopefully, anyways. And the costume we're making this year will probably fit her next year, too. Here's hoping. It's very exciting. So yeah, hopefully she's not like a six-foot-tall Mungo child of some sort of... <laughs> freakish proportion next year See, it's funny mungo isn't a slur of any kind but it sounds like it should be <laughs> maybe it might be if Whoa, I, I we don't say mungo anymore we say mung american okay but like you know just daddy you still love me <laughs> mungo. Put, put me down joyce put me down <laughs> now nah, she's still gonna be cute and adorable next year so it'll be good yes that'll be good <laughs> um but yeah that's been it Cool. Well, uh, since I've been talking to you, I've been auditioning. Been like, what was that? You've been busy. I have. And mostly just working a ton because I'm trying to make enough money to go to Dragon Con. I still have a little bit of hope left of the tunnel. Uh, there's two weeks left for me to make that money to get to go because um, I didn't plan ahead of time very well for this one. So at what point do you start hooking? What do you <laughs> You know, like my team asked me the same you question. Start selling your body. If they'd buy it, I'd sell it. But I don't think they're going to buy. What about a kidney? 
<laughs> I need those kidneys in case one you, dies. You have two. <laughs> but I'm really upset because this uh, Dragon Con, so many of my friends who have never gone before are going for the first time, and I'm so pissed off. And then Sean Vanderloo of the Soul Forge and uh, Russet Robot podcast is going. And Whoa. according to Soul Forge, he doesn't get out of Canada very often. Um, so this is a big trip for him, and it's so exciting for him to be there. And I could actually meet him in person. That'd be great. Um, oh, cool. And my favorite atheist speaker is going to be there, uh, Matt Dillahunty. He doesn't go very often. So it's just like, oh, my God, I have to go this year. <laughs> All right. So if you see German, throw a nickel at him. Please do. Um, but also, I, I, I DM my second Dungeon Master or Dungeon World session. And oh, yeah. Yeah. But it's bad when your group hasn't seen each other in a long time and you all get along really well because we didn't start playing till four hours after we arrived. Yeah, you as the DM, Dungeon World is a very, because it's such a loose system, it lends itself to like terrible sidebars and... Oh yeah, and we didn't even get started like with anything until four hours in. <laughs> so yeah, as a DM, you really have to drive in Dungeon World because the game does not push that you got to kind of crack down a little bit and uh i had my first improv class at the sack comedy lab in orlando so it was a lot of fun oh, what did you learn um I'm learning some things that i've heard before a lot like some of the improv games so they're kind of like warm-up games and uh uh kind of things that make you listen to the other people on stage but do actually doing it with people is pretty interesting and just about um really about listening to people and not going in with one idea about what's going to be funny in your head and then just sticking with that, no matter what, you have to listen to the partner and kind of adjust and change as you go along. So I've uh, right. so I've eight weeks of classes with that. So it's gonna be pretty fun. Uh, don't go negative. Right. Uh, avoid stop words. Things that kind of end things in their tracks. Unfortunately, can't, won't, don't, shouldn't. Yeah. Don't bring out a gun. <laughs> you know, I oh, we shouldn't have. We shouldn't have broken that doesn't lead anywhere, but we should go get tools to fix it. Make gives action. Yeah. But did you're picking the, the opposite of the negative thing. The <laughs> office episode with Michael Scott goes to improv. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to tell me my money fortune teller. Why are your hands up? He told me he has a gun. <laughs> <laughs> so basically Michael Scott's told that the number one rule is don't bring out a gun into an improv sketch because it just stops everything in its tracks and he can't control himself. And every single sketch he's in, he pulls out a gun. Yeah. And he does this variation on Michael Schoon FBI. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, hopefully I won't be as bad as him. Uh, that'd be great. But yeah, yeah. But yeah. Avoid stop words. Say yes. And the worst thing you can do and this takes com comfortability with the people you play with. And in a class, you're not going to get this. But if you ever get the opportunity to perform with a troop or a group, when you're performing with the same people over and over again, you build trust and right. you know how they're going to play and it lets you play better. And the, the teacher has been really good about getting, making us get to know each other really well, pretty fast. So we felt pretty comfortable yeah. on everybody. So it was, was kind of nice. That's the key. That's the key. Exactly. So I'll have a show at the end of the class that uh, I'll force my friends to go see and you know, I'll be that guy who's saying, go to my improv show <laughs> that everyone hates. Oh, well, pick a voice and become the character. That's another good one. Well, I got a lot you of voices so, to choose from. You have so many voices, like you can throw anything at them and just pick a physicality that goes with it and bam. Yeah, I was telling my uncle today randomly a story about you being in the um, the play, the uh, um, yeah, that thing. The Crucible. So yeah, Steve one. was in The Crucible and he had picked this like the certain ticks for his character to have that made his character that much more believable. If you just do one little thing with your hand or your face or your walk or your gait or something or prop that you like to play with and it really yeah, just cements that character. The clutched arm via Bob Dole. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is my thing. I remember that. Uh, so, anyways, I remember the the artistic director and head of the department hated it and talked to me about it, and then immediately afterwards, the director and the rest of the cast basically told me it was awesome. Yeah, it so, stood so out I so did, much. So I just kept doing it. <laughs> it really brought that character home, and he was a scary bastard. Um, but yeah, you're gonna you're gonna do great. Trust yourself. Damn right. Get some confidence. So that takes us to some nerd news. It sure does. It's time for Nerdy News. <laughs> what you got for us, Steve? All right. So this, this nerd news comes with a little bit of a history lesson. Oh. So in 2005, CBS was one big company. And the CEO, uh, a guy named Redstone, was set to retire. And he had two guys that were set to succeed him. Les Moonves, who was the head of CBS. Right. And this guy, Tom Freston, who was the head of MTV, VH1, BET, and a bunch of other stuff. But these two did not get along, and they friggin' hated each other. <laughs> so when Redstone retired, he said, well, you know what? I'm not going to pick either of you. Les, you're now president. And other guy, you're now COO. So he took the office and split it. Uh-huh. Well, they did not like that. So they got the board to, to split up the company in 2005. Which company is this again? This is CBS. Oh, CBS. Okay, gotcha. So uh, Les Moonves took CBS and most of their television properties, or a lot of their television properties, right. and became CBS Corporation, which is what's on the air right now. And then uh, the other guy, Freston, uh, he took Viacom, which we know. Yes. They own took MTV, BET, VH1, tons of other stuff, uh, and then Paramount Movie Studios. Mm. All right. So with that split, the television rights for Star Trek went one way. That's right. To CBS, and the movie rights went the other way to Paramount. Well, in, in the wake of the Fox-Disney merger, the merger of Viacom back with CES is the next mega merger on the block. And it would bring the franchise rights back together for the first time since Enterprise was on the air. Yeah, it kind of like what spurred the storyline for the J.J. Abrams movies being a different timeline because that way they could avoid any kind of um, mm-hmm. conflicts with the TV series. I remember that. Um, but I think that with the the giant, you know, Disney making their empire and Marvel, what they've done with the, the superhero franchise, I am going to bet that we are going to see CBS produce some great stuff including films in a combined universe that's if that's possible. not their plan they're idiots well, i mean they've been ramping up these tv shows so much there's like three different star trek series in production right now and so i can only yeah. imagine that way more movies down the line oh yeah and they can create their own little you know the star trek you oh i'd be so happy just live so there forever. i thought so, so sorry that came with a history lesson but that is my nerdy news is this merger is right on the horizon and it would bring the two back together and Les Moonves is now gone because of sexual harassment scandals. Yep. Yep. <laughs> it's okay. Most of them are gone because of sexual <laughs> yeah. harassment scandals. Or they're dead because they were old white men and just, yeah, it's done. Yeah, so, that's what happens. My nerdy news involves one of my favorite things, cats. So Ooh. I have two cats. They're not getting along right now and fighting each other like crazy. But there's a, on the horizon, a shot vaccine that you can get that will, um, Make it so you're not allergic to cats anymore. But the, the weird thing is, you don't take it. Your cat does. So <laughs> it's from a Switzerland, Switzerland company called HypoCat. Um, oh, yeah. And basically, the idea is you give the cat a shot. 
and it blocks the allergen that they produce called FELD1. Um, okay. You have to give it to them every six months. You have to get another booster shot for them. So it builds these antibodies that block this FELD1. And huh. then suddenly your cats are hypoallergenic. No matter what kind of cat they are. Ah, that's um, pretty neat. It is pretty neat. Initial tests are really going well. Uh, they've been mixing with blood and stuff like that. And, and the good thing is it has no negative effects on cats so far. They can find no negative effects. Um, so it's not hurting the kitties either. But it won't be available for another f- a few years uh, because of proper testing, which is what you want to do. You don't want to hurt the cats or people. So um, but I'm looking forward to HypoCat when I get into maybe my 40s. I'll be. Well, that'll be exciting. Yeah, you can have any cat you want. You have all the yeah, cats. Get, just get one of those ones that's just obnoxious with hair. Yeah. Well, actually, the hairiest cats are the most hypoallergenic because it blocks the um, the dander from coming out so much. Got it. So strangely that's enough, they're the super gross. Yeah, they're the least allergic of all cats. And they're making hypo dog, but that's even farther down the line. So you could eventually have this oh. for dogs as well. Well, cool. Yeah, I thought it was neat. I'm glad you'll get some relief in 10 years. <laughs> Until then, Allegra every day. All right. So before we hop into our discussion of Jaws 3D, uh, I decided to get us in the shark under the water mindset with some shark trivia. Woohoo. So, German, are you ready to do some shark trivia? I mean, ready as I'll ever be. All right. At more than 50 miles per hour, this shark is one of the fastest swimmers in the ocean. Uh, let's go with the, the hammerhead shark. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> it's the Mako. Oh, never heard of it. All right. Except for That's Star what, Trek. I think that Mako is the what Deep Blue Sea. I think. Oh, one of those. Gotcha. Next question. Currently, there are more than how many known species of sharks? 340, 440, or 540? I'm going to go with 340. I'm sorry, it is 440. Jeez. And that's actually rounding up closer to 500. I saw a later figure. That's way too many. That is. Aside from the five senses, sharks' keen hunting ability comes from their ability to sense what in the water? Uh, Aside from their five senses. So like sonar, like, or vibrate. No, that's, that's touch. I don't know. Okay, uh, it's electricity. Oh, I did know that. So sharks, sharks have these pores <laughs> all over their mouth and snout and the throat that have these things called the ampullae of Lorenzini. Mm. And uh, they're these pores that connect to these jelly sacs that yeah. then relay the signal to their nerves. And it allows them to detect the electrical fields that underwater creatures give off. That's nuts and scary. Yeah, they know where you are right now. <laughs> Right. Baby cats are called kittens. Baby sharks are called what? I think I used to know this. Um uh carks. <laughs> no, it's pups. Oh. That's yeah, adorable. It is adorable. All right. What substance? Okay, this is the last question. <laughs> Doing so well. No, you are not. <laughs> All right. What substance are shark skeletons primarily made of? Um, I'm going to go with uh, collagen. Uh, I thought you had it. Cartilage. <laughs> the same stuff that makes up the tip of your nose is what they have instead of bones. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to lie. I think that might be the first zero score <laughs> game in the history of the show. I think you are correct. <laughs> 
All right. So what I'm saying really is you guys were all here for history. <laughs> hey, it's her story now. Get it right. That's right. Our story. <laughs> um, all right. Some other fun space, facts. Space quick. Uh, sharks in captivity have been recorded growing up to 10 times faster than they grow in the wild. Weird. It's just insane. Uh, the spiny dogfish shark takes two years to gestate its young, which is the longest of any vertebrate. Hmm. And cows, hippopotamuses, and deer kill more people annually by far than sharks. Probably from car crashes. Uh, or hippos are highly territorial. Cows kick hard. So yeah, shark attacks in the thing I read said that they in North America only kill one pe- person a year and only like six worldwide or seven worldwide yearly. Hmm. Versus cows, which kill like 13 people on average a year. I mean, it makes sense because we live on the land mainly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Doesn't mean sharks also are less dangerous. That, the, that these animals are also big, dangerous animals. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. And I had always heard the hippopotami were very scary and violent creatures. Hippopotamuses? Hippopotamuma? Hippopotamo. Hippopotamo? Hippopotamo. Hippopotamus? Hip, 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 <laughs> Anyways, moving on. Zero score game. Yay. Rule of three. Oh, yeah. Let's get right into it with some intro music. Oh, do we hear that? Slightly less good, slightly less ominous than the original. <laughs> this is actually the original music. Oh, better than. <laughs> So that is actually one thing about that movie that I thought was really good was the music was still really better than the actual movie was. The music was actually decent. Yeah, they were able to copy it sufficiently. And even the scenes where it was new, it was like, I thought it was pretty good. Yeah. Uh, So Jaws 3D came out in 1983. It's real bad, people. I'm not lying to you. It's real bad. Apparently, it was a big um, trend at the moment to make a lot of movies unnecessarily 3d because they just developed some of the digital technology to make it look a little bit better but it also looks terrible nowadays it just looks embarrassing um yeah and originally they wanted to use the 3d in a more naturalistic way but the studio apparently was like nah put in a lot of cheap 3d tricks yeah and boy (laughs) did they look so bad the floating arm and random shark shots and the glass break is so painful Oh, that was the worst one. Or when the shark Um, explodes. Oh, my God. All right. So let's talk about the plot. The two sons of the guy from the first two movies that you liked, they're in this and you don't care. Brody. One of them. One of them is Dennis Quaid, who became a engineer at SeaWorld in Orlando, and he brings his kid brother down to work with him. His kid brother still has issues with with water because of the shark attacks as a kid. Go figure. And the kid brother is not a recognizable actor, so I have no idea who he is. No. the Dennis Quaid's girlfriend is the marine biologist, the chief marine biologist, and she takes care of the dolphins and all the other animals uh, for the park. And the dolphins freak out and don't want to go out and they close the gate and the gate gets stuck. Right. Uh, well, during that, it gets stuck because there's a huge friggin shark down there. A guy goes down, check it out, gets eaten. <laughs> Big bodybuilder, dude. Meanwhile, we meet Leah Thompson's character. She's one of the she's- water skiers and performers at the park. Yeah, and the younger brother and her hit it off, and they go skinny dipping, and it's all real embarrassing. She convinces them to get in the water again after all these years. Uh, and 
man what what didn't happen well meanwhile lots of terrible dialogue um also terrible sound mixing i don't know if it was just my copy but it's you can't barely understand what the people are saying it sounds like almost all the dialogue was overdubbed later on like they just didn't get it right in the first day so the mouths don't quite match a lot of the time um it it was this whole thing yeah yeah, it it was real bad uh some of the a lot of the underwater stuff gets really really muddled because they tried to put a lot of layers on it a lot of stock footage mixed in with a their lot footage. of stock footage and they made jaws roar multiple times like a bear <laughs> i didn't even notice that <laughs> like they made him make noises they are like my jaws gonna eat ya. <laughs> i got a pig leg <laughs> it's a stuck in my teeth <laughs> oh oh uh, and so the whole thing centered around, is around uh, SeaWorld is opening up their new underwater attraction, the Undersea Kingdom. This brings in this underwater photographer, Fitzroyce, who you also don't like and don't really care about. He's a total douchebag, but he's no a total reason. douchebag and he's there to do underwater filming of the opening. He's not excited about it. Uh, and they go down to inspect this tunnel after hearing about some issue and they find a, a great white shark, like a normal size, great white shark. Right. They decide to try to capture it to keep it as like an attraction. Underwater guy, film guy loves it because he's going to get the footage he needs. And originally he wanted to kill it, but she can, uh, the woman convinces the leader of the park, Louis Gossett Jr. to be like, that there's money to be made. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make, make more money if we keep it alive because it'll be the only place that has a live great white shark in captivity. So made sense to me. Uh, oh, so meanwhile, they, we had uh, these yeah. robbers that, have no point to the plot whatsoever. These two and had to go get uh, they're stealing coral. Yeah. These two robbers middle of the night, like dressed in black with like, you know, black paint on their face and stuff are, you know, fumbling around doing a really poor job of sneaking into the park to steal coral. Uh, and almost I think all of their lines were dubbed over later. Sometimes their mouths weren't even moving at all when they were saying lines. Yeah. I guess well, the, they both get eaten. <laughs> yes. They both get eaten by the shark. And Jarvin's right that there is no payoff. There was no point all. to them whatsoever because no one finds out that they died no one finds out that they were there so yeah their raft sinks yeah there was zero even if they had found the raft the next morning it would have been some payoff (laughs) yeah yeah, it was completely pointless uh so they go down and uh there's like a spanish galleon thing where they get attacked by a shark yeah they capture the shark and then the shark gets put on display way too early yeah they want the scientist lady wanted to keep it in you know captivity so she could like make it nurse back to health but lewis gossett jr wants to throw it out there people to see and so it dies in front of children (laughs) his character's bad choices are what like make the plot of the film happen yeah if he was better at his job and relied on his experts the plot would not have happened for the movie true like at one point the the bigger we find out there's a bigger shark which is the mother of the one they actually had which is 35 feet long which is 10 feet long than the previous two jaws movies apparently right uh, it's apparently stuck in the water filtration system thing and they notice that one of the water filters is, is not working properly he's like just shut it off and leave it off so he makes the mistake like you said that causes the shark to then get turned off and yeah, then get in and- the park and then the shark chases a bunch of water skiers and then goes after the bumper boats where it somehow knows that Brody's son is there and only attacks his bumper boat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and just like bumps it as opposed to like trying to bite him or do anything. Productive. And then goes after Leah Thompson. Yeah. And bites her leg. Uh, so there's this terrible scare at the park. Uh, the shark then 
man, I don't even know. There's a whole thing before this where they find the dead body and she freaks out because she realizes the baby shark couldn't have killed the guy. Must have been a much larger shark. Much bigger shark. And then it goes and wreaks havoc on the new underwater thing and gets a bunch of people trapped that think they're going to drown. So, so the, uh, the the photographer dude and his associate are going to go distract the shark by luring it back into the filtration tube, I believe. Trapping it again. Um, yeah. And I did look down for a second and looked back up, and then I saw the photographer guy getting swallowed whole by the shark without even being bitten. Oh, man, it's brutal. And suddenly just blood comes from somewhere. I don't know where the blood came from because he's already in the shark's mouth completely and, and fine. But then suddenly yeah. his like, legs explode. I don't know what happened. Yeah, I don't know. And but he has like a grenade and that's literally the loaded grenade later in the film. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they go down to fix the underwater tunnel while they're distracting the shark. The shark inevitably gets loose. It's not distracted. Uh, after once again, after Lewis Gossett Jr. makes a bad decision <laughs> yeah. and turns off the pumps and that extra suction was the only thing keeping the shark in the tube and it's able to break out. Yep. So it goes after Dennis Quaid and his girlfriend who are down trying to fix the thing so that people can get out. They do successfully patch it. Just in time. Uh, and then they and then they go back to the control room and look out just in time for Jaws to come crashing through the control room window. Um, I will say this water effect and how they filled the room was super effective. I mean, a lot of practical effects in here were I must have been pretty expensive. And the the shark itself looks good. Yeah, I'll get that. Um, the animatronics were good in the shark. Some of the shots. Right. Not all. I feel like it ranged really heavily in quality. Yeah. Some of them looked like they were models, like it was a small scale model made to look like a big set. But they clearly had uh, some bigger ones built. Absolutely. Like, it was strange. It was strange. Um, and so they realized the guy chases stuck them. in the mouth. Um, he's just like the shark is like halfway into the control room at this point and they're yeah. all underwater. And they quickly get their masks on and they realize that the guy's still in the mouth with the grenade in his hand. So yeah. he quick Dennis Quake quickly fashions a long pole and it's going to stick it into the shark's mouth and try to pull, and the, pull pin. the pin. And the shark doesn't react to this at all. Just going. Arr, 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 arr. <laughs> and she's bopping it in the head with her fist. Like, it's yeah, just- she's like pushing on it. <laughs> I think the director said, like, make it look like you're doing something. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, he doesn't definitely pull the pin. They get down and the shark's head explodes. And then like the most forced 3D shot that maybe has ever been produced comes oh, out yeah. of it. Where like its teeth fly out of the picture and like form like half of its mouth shape. Yeah. Top and bottom. It's, it's like so a messed part up. of like a jaw just flying. <clears throat> oh, and, and right when he oh, I forgot to mention when he does crash into the control room, they do a slow motion shot of the reaction of each person one at a time before it comes to the window and it's so cheesy and terrible <laughs> i'm pretty sure dennis quaid's is also oh shit Ooh, which you wouldn't shit. know it, it, because they slowed it down um <laughs> so they saved the day the dolphins are okay because they mattered this whole time they clearly showed one of those dolphins getting its head bit off and then they like didn't pay it off <laughs> yeah it was like a really quick shot where you don't know exactly what's happening but I wrote that the dolphins were the real stars of this movie, that they were did some amazing stuff that was actual dolphins. So I was like impressed by the. Yeah, that was pretty did. cool. Yeah. And the, but that shot at the end, though, where they superimposed them doing the double jump out. Oh, yeah. Like over the real film was so poor. <laughs> um, so this movie is is real bad. And it ends so quickly. And I'm like, there could have been some kind of epilogue about the other characters. We don't give a shit about any of them, apparently. 
Like it yeah. just ends real quick. Um, yeah, so it's it's a heck of a movie. Jordan's right; the music does fine. There are some good practical effects. They really try to make it seem like an action film, and it's mostly just Dennis Quaid being manic. Yeah, and like at one point he does this like run across the park where he's going to go tell everyone to get out of, out of the water. They're trying to echo back to the beach scene from the original. Yeah, which had a lot film, of tension, and it's like him pushing people out of the way and stealing a cart and spilling popcorn and then tipping the cart and doing a roll out. Like <laughs> it was all this just forced action that didn't need to happen. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I just, so no, not a good entry into the franchise. I don't know how good jaws, the revenge is. That's the, the last one. Jaws four. Uh, it, it does feature Michael Caine. Michael Caine. Michael Caine. <laughs> There's a shark in the water. Michael Kay. Master Bruce. <laughs> a shock in the water. Uh, and that was, this was a, so this came out in uh, 83. That was a rough summer for third films. Uh, this along with return of the Jedi and Superman three all came out. Yeah. That same summer. Was Superman three, the Richard Pryor one. I don't know. They were all bad. <laughs> so I, I love some of the trivia from this. I'm sure you read the same stuff, but uh, yeah, According to the book, Roy Schreider, a film biography, he was the star of the original Jaws, Brody. Um, he, he said, Mephistopheles couldn't talk me into doing that movie. They knew better than to even ask, is what he said. Um, he, he apparently agreed to make Blue Thunder in order to be contractually not able to do this film. So they could, there's no way they could cast him in it. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and the, the saddest part I learned in trivia is that originally they were pitching this to make it a parody movie. Um, it was going to be called uh, National Lampoon's Jaws 3, People Zero. <laughs> and it was going to be a movie about a studio making a second sequel to Jaws. Um, and they just didn't do it. Uh, Spielberg rejected the idea and threatened to walk away from uh, the studio if they did it. So that would have been great. Uh, yeah, I would have much preferred to have watched that. <laughs> yeah. uh, apparently, this film was directed by the guy who did a lot of the production design and creature design on the first two Jaws films. So they trusted him with this. They shouldn't have. Uh, yeah, he went right back to like art department production design. He never directed another movie. <laughs> this killed his career. I looked it up. Um, in one of the remade shots, uh, when the shark explodes, some of the entrails that fly out of the screen in 3D are actually a brown leather E.T. doll. Oh, okay. It's <laughs> pretty cool. little silly Easter egg there for you. That's uh, neat. And one of, the, one of the trivia says one of the dolphins is still alive from that movie. And lives in Discovery Cove, which is owned by SeaWorld Orlando. Um, oh, yeah. I remember that place. He's 50 years old. I didn't know dolphins Whoa, lived that long. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. So he's still around. We just replace him every couple of years. Like <laughs> yeah. tissues down there. Or like they did with Shamu. They always said, oh, it's still Shamu. It's like, no, the last three died of maltreatment. Yeah. What letter are we on? <laughs> Shamu. This is, this is Shamu. <laughs> the next one's just shame. As it should be. oh god so yeah it's jaws Um, 3d yeah all right well let's not talk about that ever again (laughs) no and german you have something uh yeah which is exciting i totally forgot to prep our five minute aficionado music but uh i just want to do a small segment on this i might do another one like i do a full feature on at some point but uh uh basically uh dating for for people who are terrible at it i'm back in the dating world right now and i hear so many stories of just terrible men doing awful things or just dumb things or awkward things 
And so my biggest advice, if you're going on a date, I've, I've yet to have a bad date or a bad date that goes really poorly. Uh, people I don't mesh with. Sure. People I, I just didn't feel any connection or no chemistry. Absolutely. But every one of my dates has gone really well because I recognize the person across from me as a human being. They have a lot to offer. They have a lot of interesting stories and ask them questions. Let them talk. Um, and something I don't, I don't know about dating men, but I know with dating women, they like to talk about themselves, even if they're really shy. Um, the more you Here's ask them, clue, most people like to talk about themselves. Exactly. Um, and so that's not a bad thing. So here's the true test that I do every time I'm going on dates. Well, first I do, I try to start off with 70, 30, 70% of the time, let them do the talking 30% of the time you do some talking. Um, and that's why you start the date off with that gets them to feel more comfortable. They're telling their stories about their family, their job, their hobbies, that kind of thing. And then they, as they get more comfortable at that point, they should start veering towards asking you questions about you. And that's when I start to decide if we have any chemistry, because if somebody is not asking me any questions about me, that means a couple of things. Either they're really self-centered, uh, which is a mm-hmm. red flag as it is, or they just aren't that interested in you. And so that's another red flag. So why waste your time? Um, right. And so oftentimes those dates, uh, I this is from like when I dated three years ago as well, they'll end with that person liking me a lot. Um, and they think we have great chemistry because they've been talking about themselves for the past three hours. <laughs> and so right. then I find out that I'm like, I have to tell them like, I just wasn't feeling it. They're like, really? I thought it was a great connection. Like, no, it really like, wasn't. I, I'm really, I'm the best. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We just talked about me for three hours. <laughs> And here's another thing, too. Um, women might wear something very attractive on a date. Um, try to keep most of the conversation away from their appearance. Um, if if they're and if there's something you want to say about their appearance, say something unique and different or something. But also make sure it's true, because um, if you say, oh, I love your hair or I think your eyes are you have gorgeous eyes and they're just honestly kind of average eyes or average hair. Pick something else that you think is really actually very attractive about them or like even their hands or their or their nails look pretty or something, because then they'll realize you're telling the truth and they'll, it'll ring true and they'll actually accept the compliment and like you even more for saying so. And ignore don't yeah. <laughs> nothing sexual either. Stay away from chest, butt, anything else like that. And don't look at their chest. Just don't even do it once. If you can go three hours without looking at that girl's chest or butt. She will be very impressed because most and men will guys not. don't feel like you have to show your Chester butt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And no one wants to see your dick. They really don't. No one. Unless they expressly ask you on the first date <laughs> yes. to see it. If you at any point are not in a restroom and you have your dick out, you have made some bad choices. <laughs> <laughs> or sending them pictures of a dick at all. They just don't want it. Um, but really, that is a big thing. If you cannot look at a woman's chest for a whole date, it really will impress them. And it's not that hard. If you're so hard up, you should be masturbating before the date or something. Just get it out of your yeah, system. That's right. If you really want you're to not going to do it on the first date anyway, as I mentioned, if you have your dick out <laughs> and you're not in the bathroom. Yeah. And the idea is, unless your chemistry is amazing, you probably shouldn't be doing having sex on the first date anyways. And just hold off and just don't even, don't push for that. Don't talk about it. Don't talk about sex unless they bring it up. And then let them talk yeah, about it I mean, percent of the time. I mean, middle school rules apply uh, over the top, dry hand jobs only. <laughs> Absolutely. And also, That's here's the, the thing, rules. too, is that so many guys get so uh, held up on one particular person. But the idea is if they, one of them turns me down, you can't dwell on it. And people will dwell on it and they'll stalk that person on Facebook or they'll try to send them messages over and over and over again. If a person doesn't respond to you, move on. 
there's with these dating websites now, there's thousands of people out there. And just if that person doesn't want to talk to you anymore, they don't want to talk to you and move on. Uh, it's, sometimes it sucks because you're really into them. But just there's so many more people you could be meeting instead of spending time harassing this person. And that's never going to make them want to date you more. You're just des- your desperation for that person. That's right. So there's simple things, but just don't ask. Yeah, it's just it should be easy, but it's not. I hear all these stories from these women and it's just it makes me so ashamed to be a man sometimes. Oh, we're the worst. We're scumbags collectively. So, yeah, it's true. So to summarize, uh, 70, 30 rule uh, towards the end of the date, try to see if they've been pushing that your direction more, but let them push it that direction. Uh, Do not look at their butt or their boobs the entire date, the whole first date, maybe the second date. Uh, And and uh, don't talk about sex. and don't feel pressured into showing anything that you don't want to, gentlemen. Exactly. That's true. Oh, and one last thing I should mention. Uh, if it does go really well and the end of the date, you're walking them back to their car or wherever it may be, and you feel like there's a connection there, they're probably going to stand there and wait for a kiss as well if they think they want to kiss. But it's also not a bad idea, and it can be kind of romantic to just say, would you mind if I kissed you? Because if you're really worried about, you know, being pushy or, or Me Too movement kind of things, it's not like it's a mystery if a person likes you. You should be somewhat aware, but it's not a bad thing to say, would you mind if I kissed you? They might think that's very attractive and woke for a man to say that, and they'll probably say yes. So that's all. That's my maybe six yeah. or seven minute aficionado. <laughs> uh, the other thing I'm going to encourage you, and like if you're young, you don't have to follow this advice because you got time. But, you know, German, you're probably looking to settle down, right? That's like true. Kind of on the horizon. Yes. A- end the date with an action item. Hmm. I had a really good time. Text me tomorrow. Yeah, that's absolutely. Or let's let's make some more plans tomorrow. Leave with an action item that involves them. It it lets them know where you stand, and it also lets you know where they stand if they don't text you. That's true. Because <laughs> there's there's no mystery. They didn't text you. Yeah, and and don't maybe no one likes to be ghosted. Um. But if they ghost you, leave them alone. Just don't try to contact them more. But try not to be the ghoster. Um, try to say something. If the date didn't go well, say, hey, I, I just wasn't feeling it. I'm really sorry. But I had a great time, though. And I hope wish you the best of luck. Don't be the jerk who's just not going to talk to me anymore. But if they do it to you, just move on. Who cares? They obviously didn't care enough to talk to you. So See, exactly. Leave with an action item. Yeah, that's a good idea. Um, yeah. We should talk tomorrow. Make a new date. That'd yes. Be, yeah. All right, so this week we have two lovely trailers. Um, the first one I want to talk about is Gemini Man. So let me go ahead and play that, baby. When I saw him, it was like I was seeing a ghost. Like every trigger I've ever pulled. How'd he start you? Hunting, birds, rabbit. I'm guessing 19. 20 years old, the first time he ordered you to shoot a person. 25 years ago, he took my blood. He made you from me. He's been lying to you the whole time. He told you you were an orphan. And of all the people in the world to come after me, why would he send you? Because I'm the best. You are obviously not the best. You're just trying to rattle me. I'm trying to save you. 
You made a choice to do this to me. The whole point of this thing was to give you all of Henry's gifts without his pain. I don't want to shoot you. Mind if I shoot you? Henry, has this ever happened to you before? Your own government trying to kill you? Nah, that's new. Everything that we've worked for is at stake. He has to die. He's your darkness. You had to walk through this on your own. I love you, Junior. Look what we created. You were the inspiration for all of this. Why not just make a whole army full of them? Why not? You should be flattered. You should be dead. Because what if somebody actually knew what we really are? So if you might notice the voice, that's um, Will Smith. Uh, and Will Smith and Will Smith playing a younger version of Will Smith and Clive Owen not playing Will Smith surprisingly yeah <laughs> uh, so I can already tell you the entire plot of this film they uh, he finds him they band they fight and they band together to fight uh, Clive Owen yeah yeah, yeah. he gets <laughs> to kill him he it's all about him embracing his dark side that he tried to prevent him from having in the end old will smith dies knowing that young will smith will get to a chance to have a life and not have to go through the dark things he went through after having defeated clive owen yeah i can see that like that's the exact plot of this now i didn't get to read up on this but apparently some new kind of technology is being used for the young uh will smith it's not the standard um face changes they've used in marvel a lot to youth people i was about to say euthanize but that's not that's, yeah, not, that's man, not the right no, word don't no that's not the right word <laughs> we don't want to euthanize robert Downey jr no. um, but yeah something like it's a totally different actor or something uh and they okay. put they put I'll his face on him uh so it's interesting but okay. it looks like it'd be fun well, movie I on a saturday afternoon cool. or something yeah, yeah yeah i mean i'll give this one and a half raul julia's it doesn't look bad, but like, as I said, I know the entire plot already. Yeah, I'll give this one Raul Julia with a cold lying on the couch. Ah, oh, there's nothing to watch. <laughs> <laughs> if only I wasn't, I wasn't this sick on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Yeah, the best line in the world. Um, okay. Uh, this next one is Maleficent 2. Oh, boy. I don't care. Five years ago, I thought I lost you forever. There is no curse that could ever tear me away from you. Will you marry me? Yes. Mistress, I have a little bit of news. Don't ruin my morning. Philip asked me to marry him. No. I wasn't really asking. Nor was I. Love doesn't always end well, Beastie. Trust me, let us prove you wrong. You have done an admirable job going against your own nature to raise this child. But now she will finally get the love of a real mother. Tonight, I consider Aurora my own. There is no union. There will be no wedding. What have you done? We go home now. Aurora! is a threat to everyone. We'll do our best to protect you. Well, well. One can never be too careful. Godmother! This isn't you. 
You do not know me. Tell me what happened. There was another creature. You've spent years caring for a human. Now it's time to care for your own. So they have this like big reveal at the end of her seeing more people like her. And I'm like, I don't even know what this means. I don't care. <laughs> it's like. It's so I can so- already tell you the exact plot to this one. Too. <laughs> <laughs> she meets her younger self and then she kills Clive Owen. And then they, you know. Yeah, that's it. Nailed it. <laughs> no, like, da- you know, she's getting to know her daughter. Other queen is jealous, makes plan to drive Melissa away. Maleficent bans the marriage, drives daughter away into the arms of stepmom, drives Maleficent away, who in her exile finds these people like her. She agrees to come back and attack the kingdom, turns at last minute and becomes the savior, and then ends up like saving the day and letting her daughter live her life. Woo. <laughs> Plot. <laughs> I mean, it looks very pretty. I'll give it that. Yeah. But like, there's nothing. I don't know. I don't. I don't get these films. There's rumors that that Disney is trying to start to launch some sort of like villains universe. Really? With the popularity of this, but I don't see it happening. No. Yeah. You got enough universes, Disney, as it is. Yeah, but there's always more money (laughs) until they get it all. Well, I give it uh, four mesmerized Gary Buseys. I'm gonna give it like three Gary Buseys wearing old school 3D glasses to a movie that doesn't call for it. <laughs> I'll totally do that. It's so sad. Oh, I can see so much better now. <laughs> it's like it's right in front of me. <laughs> Sir, it is right in front of you. <laughs> it's coming right for me. <laughs> he just chews wildly. <laughs> Sir, what are you chewing? The air's thick today. <laughs> so yeah, three of those. Yeah, okay, gotcha. Uh, oh, what brings radical us some recommend. radical recommends? If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend pleasant. All right, what do you got for us this time around, Steve? All right, so in the deep crawl of YouTube, I found. Uh, dungeon craft oh exact those two words dungeon craft uh hosted by professor dungeon master a actual man my kid is going crazy uh yeah man uh an actual college professor who does everything uh from hosting events to hosting big table events at uh gen con uh yeah gen con yearly uh and does world building and model building and layouts and tips for, for GMs and great videos outlining the the types of NPCs you need to make a a standard world work. Um, He has these simple systems that are a little weird to me and I've done something I would do, but how he handles experience and monsters to reduce his prep time is really interesting and kind of homebrew. Nice. Um, but he's a great guy. He's got something for everyone, no matter which aspect of Dungeons and Dragons you like, whether it's the models or the little miniatures or theory craft, like he has it all. So check out on YouTube, Dungeon Craft, those two words with a space in between them, that easy, uh, with host Professor Dungeon Master. <laughs> That's amazing. I'll probably actually watch this one. I recommend he's got some good videos. Nice. 
Well, we got a lot of D&D players out there listening, so check it out, guys. Yeah, at least three. <laughs> um, so for me, it's a pretty mainstream and behind the times uh, recommend. Uh, in my spare time when I'm not working, I'll sneak an episode or two in, and that's uh, Veep. Um, everyone been talking about it for a long time, but I just never saw it on HBO. And recently, I've been getting more and more into politics and stuff because of just the current climate of the U.S. right now. Uh, I listen to a lot of Pod Save America and that kind of stuff. And Veep is it was strangely prescient in what it predicted the world would be like in this alternate reality, and things that were so ridiculous in that show started becoming true in real life. And so. Uh, it just really gives you a behind the scenes look at how Washington operates, but still being hilarious at the same time. And what I wasn't oh, expecting yeah. is that have you seen it. Oh yeah. We've watched maybe not the most recent season, but everything else. Uh, most recent season is only seven episodes too. So you can crank okay. it out. Um, but what I wasn't expecting is that Julia Louis Dreyfus, who stars in it as the vice president when it starts off uh, from Seinfeld fame and everything, she is a terrible, terrible human being. <laughs> so, I was fully expecting her to be like this really nice, but just doesn't get a break kind of woman. Uh, but no, she is awful and it's hilarious. Uh, so highly recommend Veep if you haven't uh, already my, seen it. My recommend from that show is Tony Hale, who plays her assistant, her mentor assistant, <laughs> oh, yes. uh, who's secretly but not so secretly in love with her. He, <laughs> His character is so fun to watch and really plays the arc and really plays the angles and communicates everything without doing a whole lot and he's always really doing great, something really he's, great work. when he's on screen he's always doing something like you if you watch him in the background he's got he's still fully in character doing something different um my favorite character is richard uh <laughs> who came a little later but he's just <laughs> yes he did he fails upwards but he's just the sweetest guy in the entire world um so yeah that was it's a lot of fun check it out folks uh all right well i think that brings us to the end of our episode thank you for joining us for a rule of three Maybe we'll bring you another rule three. Maybe we'll bring you something totally different next time. Who knows? We don't even know. We don't know yet. Uh, But if you guys keep on coming back to be our nerdy audience, we will keep on coming back to be your nerdy co-hosts. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. How?